Thank you for joining In the Vine Dating Podcast with host Melissa Chavez, where we'll be inviting different guests to answer all of your questions about Christian dating and relationships. And of course, discussing our upcoming dating mixers and events. For more information, you can visit our website at inthevinedating.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to show your support and like, share, and subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to In the Vine Dating Podcast. It is your host, Melissa Chavez. And here with me, I have Shekinah, Yessi, Denise. And as always, we are ready to bring you guys a hot fire episode. Um, But before we dive into our regular content, we're going to start with our new news segment. Um, Denise, what do you have for us today? Reporting live from the studio. Yes. So I know last week we brought in, you know, something comical, but not really comical. Um, And today I I really just wanted to bring something inspirational. I know we've been talking about relationships and, you know, our deal breakers and and things of that nature. So I came across a story and I want to hear your ladies' feedback. So would you be willing to give your husband a kidney or some kind of organ? Because literally this happened. So just in November, um, there is this couple who's been married for over 40 years. And the husband was having issues with his um, kidney. And so the, um, they, he was put on a transplant list that was going to be about 8 to 10 year wait. The oh doctor said there was no way he was going to make it. They had to make a last minute decision. And the wife was like, I'm willing to donate mine. And she obviously got tested, was able to donate her kidney to him. Awesome. And now he's alive mm. and they expect him to live a long life. So I thought that was really cute. It's but so I guess cute. it begs the question, would you ladies be willing to do that i guess i would have two questions one how big is the ring <laughs> and is there a life insurance <laughs> oh my I'm god i'm so sorry oh i'm just god. kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding you're, I'm kidding. you're single right <laughs> i don't know why pray for your single friends you guys it's hard out here that's gonna be your first date question what's your life insurance policy look like hey 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 fair question i'm just kidding i'm just kidding obviously i'm I'm healthy i promise what about you ladies Oh, I would do it. I would totally do it. Good answer. Yeah. Good answer. I'm married, would do it. right? Yeah. I wouldn't even think about it. I would be like, that would be my first question. Can I do it? Like, before they're even on the list, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what married, married that would, women would say, yes. Yeah. Is that what you would say, Denise? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. 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 And I agree. If I was married, I mean, you'd literally be one. <laughs> literally. Oh. That's true. That's true. Put a tracking device on yeah. it. <laughs> so, so add that to your list of questions to ask your potential future husband, okay? Or yeah. you? Would you give me a kidney? <laughs> right. Would you give me a kidney? We're going to add that on to the speed dating questions for the next End Divine Dating Mixer. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that with us, Denise. That was very inspiring, definitely. Thank um, you. So, <laughs> um, Eye-opening for sure, for sure, for sickness and in health, right? Um, right. So we want to provide a quick uh, update on what's going on with In the Vine. Uh, Shekinah, do you have any updates for our listeners? I don't, I don't know what I'm laughing at. I don't know what update I'm supposed to give right now. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Let's see. Melissa, like, what happened? I feel like you asked me as if we rehearsed this. That's oh my god! <laughs> She's like, you have to just turn what's in my head. I'm just looking at her like, what did we discuss? Like, like the s- office with the, yeah, with the with the juggling. Yeah, we'll just yeah. me a sticky note. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so funny. All right, um, update from in the mind. Um, we're getting ready for our next mixer. That's going to be February 10th. Yes. Um, we're so excited to release the theme. Do you want to talk about the theme? <laughs> the theme, Back to the Basics, although I know the name has been something we've been going back and forth with, but I personally like Back to the Basics. Basics. <laughs> if we can back actually say it. <laughs> back Why to the Basics. Why do we biscuits. always choose, like, taglines we can't pronounce? Because <laughs> we have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we have a podcast. Of course we're going to mess up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, back to the basics. It's just, um, it's around Valentine's Day. And so it's just, um, we're going to, we're pretty much just doing very similarly what we did with our last event because mm -hmm. it was so successful, of course. We're, we took, we take in the advice and the comments and opinions from those who attended the first one. And of course, we're applying those changes. But right. for the most part, um, everyone loved it and had such uh, great feedback. So we're pretty much just copying and pasting what we did the first time. And so. Yes. Yes. And so the back to the basics, our purpose behind that is just returning it back to the original intent, right? Is yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mind went like a thousand miles per minute. Um, bringing it back to the original intent, and that is traditional values, traditional core mm -hmm. values, and finding people that match that. You know, um, I know that we talk a lot about marriage and we talk a lot about long-term goals, but back to the basics of, hey, <laughs> do you want to grab a cup of coffee? Like, you know, just the simplicity of dating and the simplicity of getting to know somebody because obviously there is a lot of weight on who you date and who you find. Um, but there is a healthy starting point. And so we want to help cultivate that where it's like, hey, you know what? Like, I just want to see first, like, if I like you. <laughs> like, yeah. if I can find somebody that I like, that I can have a cup of coffee, coffee with and enjoy their company. So that's um, the starting point of the next mixer. So keep a lookout for that. Um, we're so excited. If you were into our first mixer, um, then look out for those emails coming through for you. It's going to be a really good news update. And our goal is to get you a Valentine's Day. I mean, hello. Hi. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that. For those who have faith, just make your reservations now. Ooh. Good, 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 good. Yeah. I like, I like that. Um, I like that. Actually, I saw a reel on Insta. Have you guys seen it? Where a girl literally put down a down payment on a venue for a guy that, like, they had just started dating. And she was like, no, but I heard that it was going to be so hard to find venues, I think, for 2025. And she was like, so I just went for it. I went by faith. And they broke up. Oh. <laughs> and they broke up. That is not where I thought that story was <laughs> going, <laughs> Melissa. It broke, no, this girl was like Delulu for sure. Because okay, I thought <laughs> you were going to say, oh, wow, she did amazing. By <laughs> no, that. I was no, say, She's no. Crazy. It's not how you led that. <laughs> <laughs> and then from there on, she was like, we broke up and stuff, but I'm still holding on. Um, she was, I think she spent like well over $25,000 with the reservations. No. I mean, yeah, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. But to me, it's like 25 grand. Yeah, that's first of all. Um, Yeah, that was the first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, all right. On that note, <laughs> we're diving into the interview. So, as you hopefully have heard by now, Monday's episode, we interviewed the one the only Yesenia Garkanian. Hello. Hello. How do you feel now that it's been a few days on, on live? Unimaginable. Can't believe it. I really can't. We still don't know why she's laughing. We're laughing because it's Sunday, <laughs> the day before it releases. Yeah, we do record early. Yeah. So it's just funny, but it is funny. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for, for people to hear it, and hopefully the right hearts hear it, and the right hearts are touched. And there was a lot of things that I shared, and I'm like, I didn't even expect that, yeah. remember? So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy I was able to share what I did. I agree. And as I mentioned, even in that interview, like, I think I got to learn so much about you. And I know that that was um, Denise's feedback, too, that we got we just got to hear so much different input about your life that we never knew or that and different perspective that I, I literally had never in my life thought about. So I know that our listeners are def have been blessed by now, hopefully. Um, so stay blessed. <laughs> yes, definitely stay blessed. Um, okay, so on the interview, you touched on a whole bunch of really good things, but obviously for the sake of time, we're only going to pull out a few of them. So one of the first things that I would like to talk about is independent women in today's society. And so um, I think it begs the question, like, what do many consider an independent woman, right? Because I know that having a conversation with the girls, I had a different idea of what an independent woman was. And so I love the way that you put it, Shekinah. Like, how did, how would you describe that? I mean, when someone describes to me, like, oh, she's an independent woman, the first thing that pops in my head, and, like, I, I automatically assume that she has her own job, she's paying her own bills, she probably lives on her own, she's taking care of herself. Like, when someone describes an independent woman, that's the immediate image that I get. Mm -hmm. 
Would you agree with that? Yes. Oh yeah. As soon as she started saying it, I thought of that song. Yeah. <laughs> what song? I N D E. <laughs> she, she drove her own. That's what I said. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, we do Great minds think alike. For real. Yes. That is really good. And I think, as Jesse was saying, that is a really good definition. So for me, when I thought of what an independent woman was according to the world standard, I also, for some reason, like, I, I don't know, we touched on this for the interview as well, was like somebody that was um, just for some reason, like, you know, even thinking about that song, I-N-D-E, like, I'd, I always think about a woman that has, like, played on her sexuality to a point where it's become, like, um, where she uses that as a way in order for her to be able to get, like, disconnected from life a little bit, right? To stay at a place where she doesn't have to be vulnerable, she doesn't have to put herself in these cer certain situations where she becomes weak, right? And so then I'm like, okay, well, so that's the worldly standard, like the culture standard right now of what an independent woman is. And also, an uh, independent woman is somebody that doesn't submit much, right? And so then I'm like, what is considered to be an independent woman according to biblical standards? And so the first thing that came to mind is, okay, so if the world independent woman doesn't submit, then the biblical independent woman is somebody that knows where to submit. Right, because the woman, ever since the, the garden, like the enemy has always fought to take away our influence. And so wherever we partner ourselves to and wherever we submit ourselves to is a place that we're gonna be able to share our, our influence with, right? And so, Denise, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think you're right. I think, um, I love that you even talk about the influential, like the influence, right? As a woman, because that's something that the Lord literally was has been downloading to me for a while now. And one of the things that I really think about is as women, we're so influential and God designed that to be very purposeful and such a positive thing. But the enemy is the enemy of extremes yes. and he has come to really pervert that. Right. Which is why I think that whole worldly <clears throat> independent women thing like comes along. And one of the things that he really showed me was um, Lila and her nagging and her influence mm. when it, Delilah, sorry, when it came to Samson. And it's like she is, was so influential that she nagged this guy to death, yes. literally. And it really reminded me of, okay, how are we as women using our influence? You know, are we using it in a positive manner that's going to glorify God? Or are we using it to exploit the, what the enemy wants us to do with it? Because even when you talk about if independent women in the real world, let's just be honest. What do they say? Oh, I can do whatever I want. Like, right. I can sleep with whoever I want. They use um, their sexuality as an empowering thing when it's like they're so broken because it's so the opposite, right? It's yeah. like because you can't trust um, and I feel like that's one of the other things too, that when women are out there and they're like, Oh, I'm so independent that it starts to even breed like trust issues because you're so dependent on yourself that you don't know how to yes, trust. So then you're point. just cultivating this environment of not trusting. So just to, you know, point it back to your question, I, I think that we are very influential and it's like, how are we, how are we using that influence? Um, at the end of the day? Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I remember even, uh, talking with somebody and they're like, I'm just so sick. They were looking at it from a different perspective. They're like, dude, like, I always have to do things on my own and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, well, let's take a, let's take a step back here, right? Because I think when you're put, so that's the independent woman. And then sometimes, do you ladies think possibly, and Shekinah, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think that becoming independent woman can also be a way of women to victimize themselves? Um, and the reason why I'm asking that, for example, is because I remember sitting with somebody and they were saying like, I've always had to do things on my, by myself, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, let's think about it. Like, um, who watches your kids? Um, and it was a family person. It's like, okay, well, that shows me that you're not doing things by yourself. Like, you have the support of somebody to help you in that. And so I think sometimes going back to the trusting that Denise was saying, um, instead of seeing how a community is actually helping you, um, women tend to like, victimize themselves into mm -hmm. that role. So what do you think about that? No, I totally agree. Um, I was raised by a grandmother who very much prided herself. That's where it's rooted is pride mm. is um, I'm the, you know, I'm grandmother, I'm mother, I'm nurse, I'm caretaker, I'm driver, I'm this, I'm mm. that. And she constantly just focused on that. And I, I, I was, I was like, well, you have me and you have this person, yeah. you have this person. And even you have people who are willing to help, but you're not allowing them to. And that's often coming from they want to carry this sense of um, pride, this title that they do everything. They want to be recognized, um, but instead they're just setting themselves up to complain 
And so it's really difficult when you're, when you're close with somebody that has that mindset because then the people who are close to you feel very um, disconnected from you going, mm. wait a minute, like I have, I can help you, but you're not letting me. And then you're going to go around telling everybody else that you have no help. Yeah. You know, so it's very dishonoring to the people who are in your life. Um, so I think uh, to, if just like um, Denise said, I think what she said was so powerful is um, independence um, is there's the biblical way and the worldly way. And it really just depends on where you use your influence because yes. women are extremely influential. Um, and again, I don't want to just talk to women. Men are extremely influential. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes back to um, where you use that influence and how you influence the people around you. That really matters because otherwise you're just stepping into a place of pride and it becomes about me and it becomes about playing that victim, like you yeah. said. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And I'm, I'm thankful that you were able to expand on that because I didn't have like a full example. I just remember this one conversation. And even when I was telling her that, I was like, dude, like I was preaching to myself in that moment, to be quite honest. It's like, Ugh. okay, yeah, see, so obviously we, we, we drew this out from your interview, right? Because you were on your own for... Um, since you were, what, 18? <laughs> I just want to clarify. Um, I was doing the math, and I spoke wrong. I, you were like, mind blown, eight years? What? No, it's not eight years. It was five years. I've been, oh, I've been okay. without my parent, living without my parents' support uh, since I was, like, about 21. I just turned 21. Oh, yeah. okay. And, yeah, when I remember when I met you, well, you were, like, working in the juniors department, right? Yeah, and then I remember I invited you to my apartment, and you're like, whoa, this is, like, a whole apartment. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? And you're like, you have furniture everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, did you expect it to be empty? Yeah, I expected <laughs> it to be, like, a bachelorette pad, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, if you guys were to go to my house, like, <laughs> I mean, we have furniture and stuff, but there's, like, no decorations. Like, we're still treating it as, like, we just moved in, and it's been, like, what, two months already? Um, so when I went to your house, like, I was really surprised. So for you, being an independent woman, like, what, what did that mean for you? Because obviously we've um, defined it in a, in a few different ways. But what, was, what did that look like for you? It just meant I, I relied on myself. Mm -hmm. um, I made sure that I did have, like, my payments, my own payments. I made all my payments. I, um, re like, if there was no food on the table, it would lean on me. If yeah. there was no... Um, no bills paid, no any of that. It, it relied on me. So I feel like that's what it was. And then a lot of it also comes from growing up, you see your parents being single, right, um, mm. from from the age of 15. And so you see your mom working really hard to make ends meet. You see your dad working hard. And then you also hear like, okay, you can do this. You don't need to rely on people, which in a way has helped me become who I am today um, and being very strong and independent in a lot of ways. But when you do get married, again, going back to my interview, it was to a point that my husband had to be like, whoa, can I help you? Yeah, Let yeah. me get in there, you know, so. Which goes back to, um, I know that Denise has mentioned this before, that interdependency that needs to happen in the body of Christ, right? Because the moment that you join any family, whether it be a marriage or somebody else's family, or even your own family, like, um, independence will only get you so far. Um, and it's going to it's going to come to a point where it's not going to be sustainable anymore, right? Because I think Andre actually brought this up, um, and it's Proverbs 18, I forgot exactly what verse, where it talks about that a man that isolates himself seeks his own destruction. And so that's what happens. It's like because you're not building, like we're all built for connection in one way or another. So the moment that you psych yourself out and start thinking like, I did this on my own and blah, 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 like that's where the pride comes mm -hmm. in, and that's where the... Um, these unhealthy lack of trust um, tendencies start happening, right? And so um, having to break through that is very difficult. Um, okay, so um, next, you talked about vulnerability. And this word is a scary word. <laughs> um, so I have a question when it comes to that, and I don't know who would want to answer it, so I'm just going to Russian relay it. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to ask. Uh, I'm going to start with Denise. Denise, where do you think that it is appropriate to be vulnerable with somebody and how much? Say when you said I'm sorry? Yes. When do you think it's appropriate to be vulnerable with somebody and how? How do you determine, like, what is the appropriate amount of vulnerability to share? That's a great question. I think for, like, I can only speak from personal experience. And one of the things that I um, weigh that, that question is, okay, 
I'm obviously friends with someone, right? And I just see how they handle information. I see when I'm with them, what they talk about, what they don't talk about, because that says a lot. And then from there, you know, I, I see the track record. It goes back to that book that I had mentioned before with, you know, um, Henry Cloud about trust mm. and seeing like their track record. Okay, what kind of person are they moral, right? I mean, first of all, I need to make sure that they're grounded in God. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that they have the fear of the Lord. Um, and, and, you know, in, in addition to that, now I'm saying, okay, how do they handle information, you know? And then from that place, I make a conscious decision to be like, you know what? I'm going to choose, I'm going to make a, a decision to be vulnerable with this person. And what that means is I'm willing to go like through the trenches with them because mm. when you're vulnerable with somebody, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows um, because with vulnerability comes a lot of questions, comes mm-hmm. a lot of trials, comes a lot of um, a person might not understand a certain thing, but that doesn't mean that you're wrong or that their point of view is wrong. It's just trying to understand, right. Um, the context of everything. So yeah. for me, it's, it's that it's seeing the track records, you know, I have Kind of like when you, you know how we talk about having like standards when it comes to uh, like a relation, a dating relationship. Yeah. I think it's kind of the same for me when I'm choosing who to be vulnerable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, it's making that conscious decision to be willing to go through the highs and lows of that because that's what's going to happen. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the more that I'm comfortable with somebody, the more that I'm going to share with that person because I've seen how they steward information that i've relayed up to that point yeah so i hope that answers the question no absolutely it does um what do you ladies think any of you want to chime in on that no i thought that was that was really good denise um it definitely you can identify a person's maturity just by being around them in general and you get to decide is this somebody that i do want to share this information with um no matter what it's it's kind of a it's a risk when you're being vulnerable with somebody but um, when you do find the right person, it's definitely a risk um, that has reward for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I know I've always had to learn is um, the there's a term that psychologists use for it, but I cannot remember it right now. But you you don't share more than what the other person is willing to share with you. Mm, so it's a conversation, right? So I've I've had to learn that if I'm sharing something with somebody and they're not using that as an invitation to either A, ask me more, or B, um, share their own vulnerabilities, then you need to stop talking. Hmm. This is not somebody who um, is comfortable. There's a sign there. Either A, they're not interested, or B, they're just not comfortable sharing themselves. Yeah. So um, that's, it's just, a, it's kind of been a rule for me is when I'm in a conversation with somebody and I find that I'm the only one sharing, I have to remind myself at some point, stop talking. That's really good. And either A, invite them to join the conversation and share their own vulnerabilities. And if they're not taking that invitation, that's fine. And that's, you know, where you can just be respectful of that. But it's also a reminder that I'm not willing to share more than what you're willing to share. Mm -hmm. And I just put out the invitation of information, essentially, and um, see what they do with it, you know, see how they respond to it. And if they respond positively or if they share something, that's just an invitation for you guys to continue the conversation. And so I think that's like a rule for me. Um, I can just go off. I can rant. (laughs) And um, with certain people, I just have to remind myself, wow, I'm talking a lot (laughs) and they haven't shared. So either A, it's because I'm talking a lot and I didn't like leave room for them to have a comment or B, they're just genuinely not interested. And either way, I have to settle down and give them room to speak, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's really good perspective. And I think that's really good practice as well. Like seeing how the other person is reciprocating, which I think it goes hand in hand with what Denise was saying. So Yessi, um, in the interview, you talked about how especially with Andre, um, as you guys were recording and stuff, even though you wanted to be with him, you were still putting up like these boundaries and stuff. So how did you start allowing yourself to be vulnerable? Like what steps did you take in order to be able to break down those walls? I, a lot of it came from, again, account- accountability. Okay. Um, so just meeting not only with Pilan, but um, even Pastor Adriana, like she was able to like discern some things and and help me out in those areas. So shout out to her. She's amazing. <laughs> um, but one of them was, and here's an example. When I would get upset, I would just shut down because when I would be very angry, I would say things and I would hurt people's feelings. So then for me, I'm just like, I'll just stay quiet. And um, I, I would give people the silent treatment and it never went anywhere, right? And um, they're like, no, you have to be clear about your emotions and mm-hmm. talk about it because he was willing to ask me, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, what's going on? No, I really care. I really want to know. And I would just be quiet, right? 
and it would go nowhere. So just realizing like, okay, that's not the right step. I need to start being vocal. I need to start being clear. Mm -hmm. I need to start being um, clear about my emotions and what I'm going through so he can understand me because he can't read my mind. Because mm -hmm. your mom would always tell me that. He's not a mind reader, you know? Yeah. Well, why <laughs> um, not? Yeah. <laughs> and so that that's one of them because we like to put up a wand and say, okay, let's see if they can just find out what it takes, you know? Mm -hmm. That's not right. <laughs> That's not healthy. <laughs> What's behind this door? <laughs> yeah. And so those are just little steps. But other moments, it, it's just realizing like, wow, I do have that. I don't, I don't trust easily. So I want to make sure I, I give it, I give every reason not to, to be like with me or take that chance, yeah. I guess. Again, like I said, self-sabotage, just to see like if they're willing to go through it so then I can trust them. Yeah. Can I ask my own follow-up question to that? Yeah. So obviously there's accountability and there's responsibility you have to take for yourself, right? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you had to be the one to open up to him. Um, wh what would you say to our listeners who might be interested or dating somebody right now that has a hard time opening up? Like what steps did Andre take that made you feel comfortable to open up to him? It's a good question. Well, sitting with my mentor, <laughs> Phelan, right? <laughs> sitting with her um, when we were recording. Um, but not only that, just realizing like, you are not going anywhere with this. I, I really, he would tell me that, like, clear. I really can't read your mind, Yessie. Mm. What's going on in there? Yeah. And I'm like, if I tell you, I'm just going to be mad. And he's like, I just need to know what's going on because we can't solve anything with this. I'm talking to a wall. Mm. Yeah. You know, so I would definitely say if you're a person and you're courting or dating somebody or, look, or even married with somebody who, who has these walls up, right now um i would definitely say just just know what what makes them laugh or what opens up their heart you can say uh, sometimes people get receive gifts whatever and then they kind of warm up and they're like oh. so i was i this is what i meant to say this is what i wanted to say i don't know it's just finding out their love language is a big one <laughs> five honestly, love language yeah the five love languages just Google because it. yeah because some people are they're easy to like open if you if you do know the right thing to say but again if you don't and you just keep hitting that wrong wall, it's never going to open and it's very difficult. Mm, that's yeah. Good. I, no, I hope that helps. No, I don't good. know. That's good. It does yeah, help. I, I threw you off with that. But yeah, I was you did. I was like, <laughs> no, I was curious. I'm like, I'm so going like, somewhere, like, I hope. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. It's good. Uh, no, I agree with that. So I want to talk to the people that, um, because a lot of us are talking out of an experience where we've been in this game for years, right? And so when we're doing the accountability, we're doing the mentorship, we're doing all these things like, to us, it makes sense because it's a language that we've learned, right? We have people that we have access to. And so I know that we have some listeners that, you know, maybe you've been doing it wrong for a lot of years. And even now, you're probably like, well, is that wrong? Like, it's worked. It, at least I've had some companionship for some time. And you're okay with being vulnerable to a certain extent. And you're like, um, you know, maybe it's okay for me to just live life like this because you've probably seen other relationships maybe not work as well but they're still together, right? Like I know many people in my family that are together and that they've been together for decades, but it doesn't mean that their relationship is healthy. And so longevity, longevity is that how you pronounce it? Doesn't um, equate healthy. And so what we want to build is healthy relationships, right? And so um, one of the things that I've, that I've learned throughout vulnerability, first of all, vulnerability is hard. Like if you're struggling with it and you're running away with it and the person that you're with um, is being patient with you. I think that for sure um, deserves some credit. But at the same time, like uh, Asha kind of said, like at some point you have to take accountability for your actions, right? And so ask yourself, okay, what is happening with me right now? Like Denise in the last episode, she said um, that Pastor Adriana says that emotions are data, mm -hmm. right? And so if you're feeling like you're about to be rejected, if you feel like you're afraid that you're about to be vulnerable with somebody um, or anything of that nature, ask yourself, what is happening here? So I've been asking myself that this past week, and I was able to date things back to when I was a child, that um, things that happened to me as a child, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like now it makes sense why I'm responding to certain situations like that, right? And um, what it took, it wasn't me wilding out or going crazy. I just had to sit there for a moment and I had to think critically think, right? And so, um, you know, a lot of us, and please chime in if you think this is good or if it's bad, but I think a lot of us, like, we want people to prove themselves, especially when it comes to, like, the area of dating, right? Mm -hmm. 
you want pe uh, specifically because we're a dating podcast. Um, you want somebody to prove themselves, like to jump through the hoops, to do that Bruno Mars die for you thing, uh, grenade for you thing. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, but in order for somebody to prove their worth or prove their um, trustworthiness to you, you have to start giving them information that they can be trustworthy with. So Shekinah, like you just mentioned, you know, you start giving out these little pieces of information. And to some people, it can be something so simple as, hey, this is what happened to me this day. And then how that person responds to that information um, can tell you a lot about what they care about you. So do you think that that's a reasonable way to start? I think that's an excellent way to start, you know, just sharing, again, just showing up with your day. Hey, my day at work was X, Y, Z. And yeah. then seeing how they respond. Do they share their day at work? Do they share how, how their day went? And if they don't, that's usually a good indicator that, okay, that's it. And, yeah. and, and I know that they've... they've I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to quote it or, or try to to bring up this. There was a study done, but I. It's been such I a love long that time. you bring in these studies. I, I love yeah, it. it's just been a long time since I've since I've um, researched it. But I do remember that um, essentially, if someone's not willing to share with you on the level that you're willing to share, there's typically a trust issue there. Mm. And so you don't want to sh overshare with somebody who either they don't trust you or you have some reason you don't know yet yeah. that you shouldn't trust them. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a good indicator that if to trust this person, they need to at least be able to match my level of communication on like, on the same level, you know. And so, yeah, great way to start is this is how my day was yeah. today. And um, if they ask, if you ask them, how was your day? And they just give like a one syllable good or, you know, yeah. there's right <laughs> then and there, there's no willingness to share yeah. on the same level, if that makes sense. And yes. so if they're willing to share their day, then, okay, you can go a little deeper and see if they follow that. Yeah. And then go a little deeper, see if they follow that. And then if they continue to follow that, great. But if at any point they stop sharing certain um, information with you or they're not willing to match that level of information, that's where you go, okay, this is where we can stop here for yes. now. And so ladies, I'm going to talk to the ladies right now because I know how <laughs> we can get. Well, I, I, I asked him once how his day went and he didn't respond to me the way I wanted him. First of all, yeah. let me take it back and I'm going to let <laughs> yeah. you explain what the five love languages are. Yes, because <laughs> I'm going to use some time to look that up. Because, so for example, me, I am a very much like, I was just talking to the girls, like when I get home, like I just need silence for like a few minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, please don't start asking me about my day. Like, I just need a moment. And so I've been, when I used to live with Shakay, when I live with my current roommate, like as soon as I got into the house, it's like, oh, how was your day? And so then if I were to respond the way that I wanted to respond, I'd just be dead silent. But I also have to be like, what does this person need from me right now, right? And so then I had to respond and I had to be a friend and be like, oh, my day was like this. And so um, obviously that's very difficult. And so then, the, well, it may not sound like it, but I promise for somebody like me, it's difficult. And so Yessie, um, as she's looking it up, I, wanna, I want our listeners to know briefly what the five love languages are and why that's important. So the five love languages is for relationships, but it's also for friendships. It's also for your relationship with your children, mm -hmm. um, those that you love, your family. So... Um, the first one is acts of service, and then for these people, actions speak louder than words. And receiving gifts is the next one. Receiving a heartfelt gift is what makes them feel most loved. And it's not just any gift, like, oh, I'm just going to go buy them, like, this expensive purse. It's, it means something to them. Intentional. Intentional, yes. And the way that you offend them is by just getting them a gift card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quality time, it's about giving the other person undivided attention. And a lot of people say, oh, I spend quality time with my spouse. We watch movies together and TV. That's not intentional. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's drop the fork down. Let's talk. Let's mm -hmm. make eye contact. Let's turn off the TV. Let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. So a lot of people like to mistake that. Uh, words of affirmation, we obviously use words to affirm other people. <laughs> And then physical touch. Nothing speaks deeply than appropriate physical touch to somebody. And that's just like a hug. Sometimes people just need a hug or like a hand. Yeah, like, hand. yeah, just like a hand. <laughs> yeah. um, there's some people that are like that. Yeah. Just like naturally. <laughs> They're unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's one back there that I'm looking at right now that is like that. Um, and so she's taught me to be like that. So thank you. I appreciate you, Caitlin. Um, so the live, lo the, the live love languages, the five love languages are so important because it's, it's important to know how you receive love, but you also have to understand how other people receive love, right? And the way that they receive love is obviously most of the time going to look different because God likes to do that. Yeah. <laughs> he never, I don't know that I know any couple that receives the, the exact same way, like as far as like the scale goes. And, um, it, and it changes, just and so it, you know, like 
you, the first year after I was married, we did it again and it completely changed. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think it changes. So it's really useful to like take that quiz, you know. Um, yeah. we, we can put it on the link probably, yeah. right, by Dr. Yeah. Gary Chapman. Um, but he has a lot of quizzes. Dropping names. Yeah, yeah. He has a, a whole page. He has a lot of quizzes. And um, I used to do it for my old job, too, for uh, the court-mandated oh, classes. Okay. So people can do it with their families and their loved ones. Smart. And understand each other. Because the, the root of anger is sometimes communication. Mm -hmm. And communication is because we can't communicate our yeah. love languages. Yeah. Denise, do you and Mike do things like that? The love languages? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I love how, yes, he said that it changes. Um, it really does. Especially when you have kids. Like, for example, I used to be like, I love the physical contact. And when you have kids, sometimes you're so touched out. Like, mm -hmm. you're, you're so overstimulated. <laughs> and you're like, I don't want anybody else to do right now, right? I get it. Um, so it, it does. It changes. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely. But my husband was, has always been amazing. He, I'm a total – this one has not changed, and that's the gifts. Um, <laughs> if you know your girl. Yeah, you know, I was going to say I'm not surprised. Um, but he's – oh, that I don't know. I don't know why that one hasn't changed. I'm sure he's, like, praying for that one to change, but <laughs> it has not as of yet. Here we are. But it's, it's not just, like – it's the thought, right? Yeah. He's always been so thoughtful, like, writing little notes and – leaving them in places for me and my car. Like he just, he's just amazing. But yes, we do, do, do things like that. Cool, cool, cool. That one came out of nowhere. We hadn't even talked about yeah. the five love languages, but I'm glad it came up. Definitely worth looking into everybody. Um, okay, yes. so briefly, Yessie, uh, I kind of wanted to break this down for our listeners um, just a bit. You talked about, not just in the one that we just did in the interview, but the podcast that we did for the previous Thursday, um, you brought up generational curses. And so um, I know that we know what that is, right? But I think for somebody that it's either starting out Christianity or is not familiar with Christianity, they don't know what that is. And so um, can you briefly tell us what the definition of that to you? Definitely. I believe um, just like a brief definition could be uh, negative cycles within your family, within your bloodline. Yes. And um, obviously some people are crazy enough. Some people are adopted. And they struggle with things because their their adopted family, mm. um, they they're different, right? And when they realize their bloodline, when they, they do ancestry.com or all these things, they realize like, wow, my parents struggled with this thing. Mm. So it 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 is a real thing. It is true. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I just think people should really look into their, you know, ask questions, their ask ancestry. about their yeah, ask about their grandma and grandpa's and their their lineage. Yeah. To see what negative cycles that they keep repeating. Yeah, so a few examples of that could be something as obvious as alcoholism, right? And a lot of ways, alcohol, you know, I don't think many people realize that that is a generational curse, especially yeah. when it has when it's been socially acceptable, right? Yeah. Um, when it hasn't been a problem so much. Um, but there will come somebody in the bloodline that at some point is going to run with that thing and it's going to become like super detrimental, right? And so another example could be, well, I think alcoholism just falls into addiction period. Yeah, all addictions. Um, and then it could also be, I don't know, maybe divorces, right? Like it could be, I don't know, it, there's like a whole range of these things. And so if there's a cycle that somebody has seen in their life, um, in their family lineage, Shekinah, what do you think are some basic steps that somebody can take to be like, you know what? I've noticed this pattern. I think I, can, I should start doing this yeah. to change that. Um, I think, I mean, obviously it depends on what it is first um, and how, how much it is affecting your life. Mm -hmm. Because if something as severe as addiction, then you want to get a therapist. You want to get help. You want to get accountability. If it's how you deal with anger or how you deal with stress um, or how you communicate with your kids, you know, if you're – I think so often um, what I hear very often from, you know, new parents is, oh, my gosh, my dad says that or my mom says that, you know, and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's I didn't want to bring that into mm -hmm. my parenthood. Oh, my goodness, I was not planning on bringing this into, you know, and you begin to identify things that um, you just don't want to be a part of your life. So it just goes back to, um, one, identifying it asking yourself the five whys, like we talked about, breaking yeah. down why, you know, emotions are data. Why are you feeling what you're feeling? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing what you're doing? Asking yourselves those five whys, getting down to the root of it, 
And very often you find, oh, this is how my parents handled situations or this is how my grandparents, you know, were raised. And um, I think uh, poverty is another big generational yes. curse that, that yes. cycles through families and you don't realize that it's it comes from, you know, your parents or your grandparents who were in that depressive, the depression era and how it just, that's such a good point. It just yeah. like, you know, blew up into this big problem into your now. Um, but taking a whole, remembering that you don't have to maintain that. Um, you don't have to use that as an excuse even. I know mm -hmm. people who struggle with um, anxiety or depression or some kind of um, uh, unhealthy uh, mental instability or mental problem. And um, they identify it, but then they go, oh, well, it just runs in my family. Mm -hmm. And they use that as an excuse not to deal with yeah. it. And so the biggest thing that I would say to anybody who's dealing with habit, bad habits or bad thoughts or bad communication skills or whatever it is, is learn how to deal with it. It's going to look yeah. different for different problems, obviously, but learn how to actually deal with it and don't accept that this is something you have to carry on through your children, that yeah. you can learn to break it now in your life and thus break it, give your children an example of how they can break it off in their life. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think... Just even looking at it in like my own personal life, you know, it's not just looking at generational curses like, oh my gosh, my family comes from the terrible things, like how can I break that? Like, I also want to show the good side of that, yeah, right? I just looked at it. Really? Yeah. And because like, for example, um, in my family, there wasn't any, something so simple, now it sounds simple because I'm not in it anymore, but something so simple as like having a college degree, right? Now it's like that was a battle within itself. And I'm like, dude, like I'm never going to finish it because the people that I thought were going to at one point get college degrees ended up dropping out. So I'm like, if they can't do it, like there's no way I can do it. Um, and so then finally got it and everything. And now my niece is like a semester away from getting her college degree, her first college degree. And Amazing. she's looking for a career and it was easier for her. Right. And so that's what happens when you start just focusing like, OK, you know, I didn't come from the best of circumstances, but I'm just going to do better, right? It's putting one foot in front of yeah. the other. And so, yes, what was it that you looked up? Uh, transgenerational blessings, which is Deuteronomy 7, 9 through 13. Can Ooh, I read it? Yeah, of course. Remember that the Lord your God is the only God and that he is faithful. He will keep his covenant and show his constant love to a thousand generations of those who love him and obey his commands. But he will not hesitate to punish those who hate him. Oof. But just, yeah, that part will. <laughs> the Lord always be throwing these things in there. <laughs> but, I love you guys so much. But, don't but I'll kill around. you. <laughs> yeah. But just knowing that what we're doing now and what you're working through can definitely pass through generations yeah. too. Blessings do pass through also. Yes, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I love Can I just add something with uh, tangible steps? Yeah. Um, I know she kind of mentioned like a therapist or, you know, a licensed professional. It's amazing. Another thing that I would always uh, also suggest is two things. One, and I've said it before, if you have somebody around you who's walking out the life that you wish you had, yes. like hold on to them like your life, invite them out to lunch, invite them out to coffee, you know, pick their brain, ask them, you know, that's what's, that's what I love to bring it back to like even business, right? Because your dad does that. If somebody, like, if you're trying to be a millionaire, hang out with millionaires. Yes. And if you can't, you know what you have in front of you that's available is read a book. Mm -hmm. Read books. Books are so accessible. And if you can't afford a book, go to a library, rent one, read. If you can't read, um, listen to audios, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, podcasts. You know, there are so many tools and resources available. Because, you know, sometimes with therapists, we might not have the money yet. Yeah. And I totally get that. But there are so many free resources at your fingertips that I think that those are really great tools and directions that you can start with because, you know, listening to different podcasts and, um, you know, therapists are able to, you know, they have podcasts. So you can listen to the way that they, like, you know, little habits that they yeah. do. And, you know, like I said, reading books. I love reading books. Um, you know, I don't have access to a billionaire right now, but I'm reading books of billionaires because that's the type of, that's where I see my future at, right? Yeah. So I think those are just also awesome, tangible resources yes. that people can use to get to the destination that they wish. Yes, absolutely. I love that because yes. there really is, and I, I say this in the most loving way possible, there really is no excuse mm -hmm. to not do better. And your better is not, I'm, I'm not trying to put any limitations, but I also want to create like this hope, right? Because... Um, in order to be able to run, you first have to learn how to crawl. And so 
um, going through the process, going through the steps, like it is very much necessary. You know what I mean? But like we talked in one of the other podcasts, it's like, look, time is going to pass by. Like there's time is going to go by. It's up to you how you want to steward that time and what you want to do with it. And so as we always say, today is the day that you can start, pick up a book. Um, Denise, do you have any books that, that you want to suggest? Like one book that you think like, well, besides the Bible, obviously everybody start with the Bible. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible. Oh my gosh. I can't think of a title, but we did it. Um, oh my gosh. I don't, I can't remember. And I like, think like a millionaire. Yes. Or, oh yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think that was one of the ones that we did as a, as a group. Shoot, right? I forgot yeah. that name. Um, yeah. We can put it in the, we'll put it in the, um, yeah, I have it at home. I think like a million. In the comments, yeah. in the caption. Perfect, yeah. 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 I'm so sorry. I read so many books that I, to remember titles, like I don't yeah. remember Yeah, I just right remember now, the way I it remember looks. remember that we did it as a, even as a, with like a, like as a Bible study. It's not yeah. a Bible study, but like a book club. Yeah. yeah. And so that was for us such a game changer. Um, another thing that I want to add, because I can like, as we were talking, I can already hear people saying that that's so hard, Right. And I, and I just had this conversation with somebody that I talk, that I mentor and it's like, it is hard, but not doing it is also hard. Pick your heart. Yeah. And that's good. Yes. if you pick your heart, um, I mean, either way, everything's hard in life. So just <laughs> yeah. pick your heart and you'll notice that if you pick the hard where you are going to have to do work and there's, there's going to be fruit at the end of that. And I, I really believe that in the long term, um, that fruit will really pay off. Versus being stuck in the same hard place that you're already in. Yes. Yeah, that's really I, good. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, okay. Caitlin is actually looking up the name of that book. Um, and it's Think Like a Billionaire, Become a Billionaire. But I'm trying to see what the author is. Awesome. Scott Henderson. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Kat. You the best girl. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> or Michael Scott. I meant. Somehow I meant. <laughs> Somehow I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so the next one is, you know, we just want to leave you guys off with some relationship tips, some final thoughts. And so the first one is, you touched on this, the importance of meeting each other's family and friends. And that one was, you touched on it from a, it could have avoided a lot, and you touched on it on, it did avoid a lot. And so... Um, tell us, Shekinah, why? <laughs> <laughs> tell us about um, why that was such a big tip for you. Well, I, the example I'm going to use is, is kind of an extreme case, but I'm hoping that this extreme case will help people really understand the importance of it. Um, but I do want to say that uh, meeting the friends and family is so crucial because um, you really get to see them in their natural habitat, yeah. how they're raised, the people that they're around. The family will bring out the worst in a person oh, yeah. in the best of ways, though. You know, you get to see what they're like around their parents. You get to see what they're like around their siblings and uh, around their friends. And um, you got to understand that, you know, how how you're being treated as someone they're dating is very, it's going to look very, very different than how you're going to be treated once you enter that category of family. Mm. And if you want to see how you're going to be treated, see how they treat their family. And so I'm going to use um, the example, my ex, I never met his family once. Mm -hmm. um, while we were dating and um, I wasn't allowed to and that was I'm not gonna lie that was a, a red flag but mm -hmm. that was something that I overlooked because I was like oh he's doing so great in all these other areas and honestly the way that he talked about his family just made it seem like he was putting up boundaries he was put yeah like he was just putting up healthy boundaries yeah. against his family and so I respected that and I thought it was a little weird but I respected it and I backed off even though he was still he had somewhat of a relationship with them um but after I found out about his addictions, um, after we got married, I realized that it was his, he continued to see his family. I realized his family were his number one enablers mm. and suppliers. Oof. And so, um, again, I know my, my case is an extreme case. It's <laughs> not super common. But what, the, what I want to uh, emphasize and why I'm using that as an example is if I would have been able to see him with his family prior to getting married, that might have shed some light onto how he responded to his family. That's I good. recently saw um, a reel on Instagram about a guy talking about see what they see what this person is like around people that they don't like. Mm -hmm. And he was like, the, the only difference, because the only difference between you and this person they don't like is time and circumstance. Yeah. At some point, if you intend to marry this person, they're not going to like you and mm -hmm. you're not going to like them. So it's really important to see how they treat people that they don't like 
It's really and good. so my husband didn't like his family at all. It's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. But my, my husband didn't like his family at all. And so use that as an excuse to not want to be around them, not want to uh, introduce uh, me to them. And um, But then when I became his wife, I was no longer the girl he was dating. I got categorized as his family. Mm. The way that he talked about his family ended up being the exact same way he talked about me. Dang. I met, I fell into the same category as family. So it makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> um, hard lesson learned. But that's why it's so important to see what they're like around their family members, their friends, and especially people that they don't even like. Mm -hmm. Because you get to see um, how they navigate all of those different relationships in their life. Because as you go through a relationship with somebody and potentially marry them, you're going to cycle through those same cycles of you're going to have moments where you don't like each other. You're going to have moments where you absolutely love each other. You're going to have moments where you fight. How do they navigate through those relationships? You get to kind of see a little bit of a window into that person's life, attitude, and relationships before you make the ultimate commitment. That is some hot fire knowledge and points. Um, I could actually see that pattern in other people's lives. I remember I told a friend once, I was like, because they told me, uh, the person that they were dating, like what they do when they, when they like don't like somebody, they just cut them off. And I was like, well, what are they going to do to you when that happens? Or what are they going to do when they don't like your friends and family? They're just mm -hmm. going to isolate you from them. And I think, you know, at first as um, I think, and shoot, I've had so many conversations today that everything's just crossing wires. But um, I think that even going in around other people's family or the person that you're dating's family, it also shows you where they're placing you in their life, yeah. right? Because if they don't put, as we said in the interview, if they don't put respect on your name when you're around their family, then it just shows you like, oh, maybe this dude is like a mommy's boy or this girl's like yeah. weird. Or what if he has like another family? Oh, my God. <laughs> or what if you're like Extreme. just a secret, yeah. you know? Yeah. You could be la otra. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Give mom a chance to break out the baby photos. <laughs> oh, I'd be like. Oh, it's embarrassing, but it, it really does strengthen a relationship. And like mm. I said, it just, it. You get to see into this person's life and how they treat mom, how they treat sisters, how they treat dad, how they, you know, again, yeah. there's different gender um, that I'm trying to address here, but um, you get to see eventually how this person will treat me when I'm categorized as a family member and no longer girlfriend. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That was so, that was really good. Um, okay. So the last two ones, yes, I'm going to ask you directly. Um, dating. One of the things that you wanted to give tips about was dating while having kids should be a consideration while dating, right? So um, I know that we've talked about how people with kids, single parents, are worthy of dating. Now, can you give us a perspective from a child's point of view? I agree. I agree. I think they are. I, I know that they are worthy yeah. <laughs> of dating, right? Um, but coming from the child's perspective, always keeping in mind your child. Mm -hmm the boundaries that you want to set with people coming into your child's life. There's a lot of people who, like I, I mentioned earlier with you, and it, we were kind of laughing, but then it's, it's really sad when yeah. people say, oh, here's your new daddy, here's <laughs> your new daddy, and then it changes every week. Yeah, that's so heartbreaking. Or here's your new mommy, and, and, and that person is like trying to make it work so hard, but they scare off the other person, right? Mm -hmm. They're putting that responsibility on, on the people that they're dating when it's, they're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really think that keeping your child in mind, waiting for when your child wants to meet that person, because you really have to think about, okay, I'm ready to bring this person around my child. Well, what, can, what makes you ready? Mm -hmm. That person is somebody that you've already like vouched for. You're able to see them in all these areas that we're talking mm -hmm. about. And you're saying, okay, now I want to introduce them to my, my son or my daughter because I really feel like this is going somewhere. Like it's that next step that we were speaking about. And, and then bringing them around your child. But then also making sure that your child is ready for that too. Mm -hmm. Having that conversation and saying, hey, I, mommy or daddy really likes somebody. I'm going to bring them around. I'm not going to force you to come meet them. But there is going to be a day that I need you to meet them. I, and it's going to come sooner yeah. rather than later right? Because maybe sometimes things happen faster. And I just think just keeping that in mind, obviously I'm just speaking from my own point of view right. and from what I went through, but really forcing somebody on them is not going to make it easier. It's yeah. just going to make the child angrier and it's not giving that child the position until you have that combo and you actually can speak with them. 
because they need to know what place they have. And when you do tell them, hey, you're going to have to meet them, but it's because I love you yeah. and you're so important to me and giving them that space, I think will let them know like, okay, my, my parent is giving me that space and my parent really wants me to meet them because they also love them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to want to, I love my parent. I'm going to give them that chance too. Yeah, that's really good. And I think it's important because I think you brought up such a good point where it's like, okay, the, the parent has had time to spend time with this other person. They had the, they spent the quality time there. Like you said, they vetted this person. And so then when they bring in the child in, the child doesn't get that same amount of time. They just expect the child to act accordingly to where the parent's at. But oftentimes the child doesn't even know that they were dating. Mm -hmm. The child doesn't even know that they were in this position. And mm -hmm. so the child's like, what? Yeah. I thought we were going out for pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and, and not only that, it's your, some, you know, parents, um, depending on the custody, yeah. but like for myself, it was every Friday you had to switch houses. So one weekend my parents were free, you know, mm -hmm. and then the other weekend they weren't. And then, so it gives them and allows them time to go date freely and do all these things because mm -hmm. they're not responsible that weekend, if that makes sense. Yeah. So then when you are responsible and then you come around, you're right. You're like, you've been dating behind <laughs> my back. <laughs> it is a serious thing. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And so I think the children, obviously to the level of their understanding, right? Like, you're not going to start talking to them about complex relationships, but it's at least like starting to present the idea to kids so that they also have a time to warm up to it, right? And so, um, Denise, would you like to add anything on this topic? I know that you've mentored um, quite a few single parents, um, people that are in this relationship status. I think I think what Yessie said is honestly perfect. I mean, that's some of the advice that I've given, you know, to those single parents that are single moms that I've mentored. And one of the things too is um, something that I was even telling Melissa today is, you know, as the person coming into the relationship of, you know, the person that you're dating who has a kid is you're there to be the kid's friend. You're not there to be mom. You're not there to be dad. Like you're there to be their friend. And, um, and I think that's a big thing too, because a lot of times, because you, you want to fit like a certain role and it's like knowing your roles, right. Knowing the dynamic, understanding that you have to gain this kid's trust because you might have gained the parent's trust, but this is a whole different separate relationship. So it's like learning how to juggle, right. The balance of, Hey, um, I want to give you the kid attention, but I also want you to see how I'm respecting and honoring and loving your parent, your mom or your dad. Yeah. So I think all there's so many different variables and factors, but I think you really just hit it on the head with, with the way that you explained that. Yeah, I agree. Cause Thanks. those were things that, again, I hadn't ever considered, you know, uh, another thing would be too, as, um, your as a parent, you're also showing your child what's what's a healthy relationship looking like? Mm -hmm. Like you're communicating, you're not hiding things from them and saying, surprise, I'm engaged. <laughs> like those things, it does happen, you guys. Yeah, it really sure, does. I'm sure. And I, I shared this earlier, but when people are in love, they do the dumbest things <laughs> and they forget. Like, hey, I, you have kids. You got to think about these yeah. things, you know? It not only affects you, it affects your children. And then it also affects the way that they're going to deal with relationships in the future because they learn from you. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, some people, like, I think you mentioned this earlier, Melissa. Some people say, well, they're my kid. They have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's my life. Or, or something yeah, yeah. in the sense of they, they don't put their kids' feelings in consideration. But their child is, is still a human being. Their child is going through their developmental yes. stages. And their child is literally um, dependent on you. Yeah. And I think people forget that, like it really affects your child and it's going to affect the relationships. And again, it goes back to a cycle. Like if they see mommy and daddy doing these things, hopefully they'll be like, I want to be the one that breaks it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard, but they're going to want to want to break it. Or they're going to be the one that falls in the cycle because they see it happen. Mm -hmm. They think that term, oh, my baby daddy mm. or my baby mama is normal and is okay. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. it comes from something else. Yeah. And I think the way that you set the tone in the relationship, as far as like, being a single parent, the way that you set the tone on how you talk about your kid and how you involve them in the conversation really shows, like, it puts the demand on the other person for them to show how they want to respond to that, right? And it's something that you need to vet out at the beginning because I feel like in the circumstances that you've talked about, it's like um, a lot of the single parents, what they're afraid of the rejection, right? They're afraid of that the relationship's not going to work. I'm sorry, but when you're dating the order is first your kid. Correct me if I'm wrong, Denise, but when you're dating, like that person is not husband and wife yet. Like, so the first priority that you have is your child. 
And so then as the parent of that child, that's what you have to bring to the table. It's not just let me go and do this and blah, blah, blah. No, it's like your child is your first and foremost important thing. And so if you're not fighting for that person or if you're not advocating for that child, then that person that you're dating is going to treat the, the, the child accordingly. And so to me, like, I can't even get into that. Like, I'm sure it's so complex for single parents because, like, uh, and so I'm not going to. Blended gonna... families, yeah. Blended, fa- sorry, blended families, there's, it's, it's, there's so many variables yeah. to the dynamic of the relationship because you have, you know, step or step kids and then yeah. step spouse and not step, but, you know, other spouses. And so it, it just, it goes back to why, you know, the Bible says that God hates divorce yeah. because mm-hmm. it's the ones who suffer when you have kids, honestly, are the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, because every impression that you do or every impression that is made, like it really shapes and molds their worldview for years and generations to come. So there is a lot of intricacies. And honestly, the only way to go about it is finding the mentor that can really help you and always point you back to what God says. Uh, because honestly, without God, it's so hard to really just navigate the delicacy of, of that type of dynamic. Yeah. I was listening um, to our podcast uh, last week. And right after I listened to the Beviers, Home at the Beviers, or Home with the Beviers, and they had their special guests. And I believe it was his, the guy was Scott and his wife. And I'm saying this because they were talking about blended families. And I'm like, wow, spot on, because this is a little bit of like what I know people go through. And we're talking about dating and, and you know, potentially becoming a blended family. And so it's um, male and his wife, and they both come from blended families, but they're also blended family. She brings a child from a different marriage, and then I believe he does too, or I'm not for sure. But they, uh, God spoke to them in 2019 to start a ministry because they've gone through hell and back. And they really want to, um, they really feel led to do this. And she was saying, I didn't want to do it because I knew what it comes with. Mm. And um, they started this ministry and it's called uh, Blended Kingdom Families. Mm. So if you guys can look them up on your podcast, um, they're really good. And what they were saying, they spoke from a lot of experience and they give a lot of good advice because a lot of people ask questions like, what about if, I love Jesus and my husband loves Jesus, but my stepson, um, his mom doesn't believe in Jesus, but he wants to praise and worship at home. Mm. Like what steps would you recommend for me to take? And they gave good advice. They said, you know what? Um, You take care of your home. You take care of your home and you do what you can in your home. And, And you'll see, and you pray for that mom, but you'll see her life will change too. Yeah. And they have a lot of testimonies coming from it. So if anybody is, you know, um, already in a blended family, um, looking to date somebody, courting somebody with blended family, or you could potentially be a blended family, or you're you're that blended family, <laughs> um, I would recommend listening to them too, just because yeah. I, I, they have a lot of testimonies too. That's really good. It's really good perspective. Um, and last but not least is um, you said a tip that you would give people is to not keep going through the same cycle and to learn how to deal with their stuff before getting into a relationship. So can you expand on that a little bit more? I say that a lot, you know, (laughs) just to make sure that you work on your things because they will get amplified, um, especially in marriages or in dating or anything. But when you're even dating, you're going to find a lot of root issues. And sometimes it just takes, like you mentioned earlier, sitting down and reevaluating, like why, asking those five questions, why, why, why? And and you'll notice it's something going back to your childhood. Mm -hmm. So working on those things beforehand and stopping those cycles so your children don't have to go through it. And hopefully they can, you can be that testimony that they hold on to. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, okay, well, with that, we're wrapping it up. Any final thoughts that any of you want to give? That you're just dying, it's burning in your heart. You're like, I just need to tell somebody this. No? Okay, me either. No, I, think, I think we hit, we did a really good job. Yeah. I feel like we flowed so well. Yeah, I think it was really good. So if any of you guys, as always, if you have any questions, if you need to, us to connect you to any resources, please feel free to reach out. Um, thank you for everybody that's been sending in your feedback. Um, I know constantly people are telling us of how this has affected them and how timely it was. And Honestly, to us, it's very humbling. <laughs> Definitely puts the fear of the Lord in each and every one of us because um, the Lord doesn't trust His children just to anybody. And so we do want you guys to know that you tuning in is 
um, the most honorable thing. So I just want to thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. We hope yes. that you're having an awesome holiday season. Um, next week, we're going to be interviewing Denise. Um, and it's going to be, I'm so nervous because she hasn't even told me. There's things of Denise that I'm sure I'm going to be like shook. And that's a big deal because I know a lot about it. <laughs> so stay tuned. I feel like a whole new me is going to come out. People are going to be like, what? <laughs> it's going to be I'm really good. Too. Yeah, it's going to be really good. I'm learning a lot about my friends throughout this process. So um, if you have any questions for Denise, feel free to send us in. And as always. Wait, as before always, we close out. Sure, sure, sure. I want everyone to see Yessie's sweater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my. <laughs> you guys see that? You guys I see love that? it. So for our listeners listening on the podcast, she's wearing a Christmas sweater <laughs> that is lighting up with the Grinch on it. It's so cute. And But the reason why I couldn't have it is because the, the static the static would mess with yeah, the sound. The yeah. sound. So, yeah, if you, haven't, if you guys want to see it, uh, go jingle on YouTube. Jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for bringing some holiday cheer. Yeah, yeah I had to. I had to. <laughs> I love it. All right, everybody, as always and forever, pray for your single friends because it's hard out here. Thank you for tuning in. See you guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye.